From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. feeling a little lonely? Are you yearning for connection in a period where we've all been instructed to stay inside? Welcome to Love Etc. where your hosts Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today, we're talking about loneliness and connection at a time when we are all physically further from each other than ever. All right, Zara, this is a different episode for us. We were not planning on doing an episode like this in season two because when we sat down to plan season two of Love Etc., we did not imagine the world being fucking crazy like it is right now. No, exactly. And the fact that the nature of our relationships looks so different to how they have maybe even two or three weeks ago, like how quickly this has all changed meant we've had to adapt pretty, pretty quickly. And I did think it's interesting when you say today we're talking about loneliness and connection at a time where we're all physically further away from each other than ever, because I think one thing or one conversation that I'm seeing thrown around a lot is this term social distancing Mm. as an idea of, you know, us keeping our distance from each other. But a lot of people are saying it's not social distancing. Like, let's make sure we're still keeping in touch with each other. It's actually just physical distancing like just making sure that we're not actually in the physical presence of the people that we love yeah I mean it's widening the physical space it's not removing social connection and I know this might all seem like much of a muchness to some listeners it's kind of talking in semantics but I think it is important because I think at a time when it's very easy to feel lonely and it's very easy to feel isolated I mean the other term is social isolating It is important that we remind people you do not have to be lonely. Yes, you might have to be alone, but being alone and being lonely are two very different things. And I think that's what we want to talk about in the first half of this episode today, Zara. It is weird though. I do want to talk about how much things have changed and how rapidly our lives have shifted over the last week or 10 days. Because I remember two weeks ago, my uh, boyfriend's mum saying to me, I'm not handshaking anyone anymore. When people come into meetings, I'm not touching their hand. And I thought, wow, that's really drastic. Like that's a pretty extreme measure to take. And to think that I now can't hug my friends, that I can't see them on my birthday, that they can't come to dinner, we can't go out, we can't get a drink together is just, I know it's a first world problem. And I know that this virus is affecting so many other things beyond social interaction. But it is sad. Like if I'm being really honest with her, I am sad that I can't hug my loved ones. I can't go see my little niece. I can't see my best friends right now. Well, it is interesting that you still say it's a first word problem. And I guess there is that need to sort of um, qualify the sadness that we communicate publicly. But I also think loneliness, as we've read before, prior to this pandemic coming out, is it is it's an ep- it is an epidemic of its own kind. It can result in extreme health issues too. So it does matter. I think the thing that I'm realising now 
now is this idea that I need to kind of relearn how to have friendships and relationships. I need to relearn how to have connections with people when I can't do the things that I'm so used to doing with them. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't realize how dependent I was on the activities that we did together in order to sort of form those bonds and continue that connection. Whereas now it's like, okay, we probably do need to set up a Zoom call. Like we probably do need to jump on the phone more than we ever did. And it's actually taking a step back in making those decisions and saying, I need to change things up right now. Yeah, it's actually so true. As soon as I said, this is such a first world problem, I counted myself and was like, but it's not. Like one of my favorite definitions of loneliness is one that I found yesterday. It was from a New Yorker article that read, loneliness is not just a feeling. It's a biological warning signal to seek out other humans, much as hunger is a signal that leads a person to seek out food or thirst is a signal to hunt for water. Human connection is like a basic human need. We all crave it. And at a time like this, I think it's comforting to turn to phone calls, Zoom calls, podcasts. Definitely, I have so found that the people in my ears have felt like friends in this time. But we really do need to shift how we are connecting because we can't connect in the same ways. We can't gather. And that's so sad because gathering is one of my favorite things to do. And I love feeling like we are one and that idea of oneness as a community that is difficult and needs to be nurtured right now. I, I actually wrote down that quote too because I thought it was really beautiful. And I think this idea that we don't want to fear monger too about this idea of loneliness as an epidemic of its own kind. But that said, it's also not healthy to downplay it. And that's why I found that quote so interesting. The other thing that I find really, really interesting here is this is not the first time our generation is experiencing loneliness or will experience loneliness. Like loneliness has been incredibly pervasive in the last couple of years, particularly in public conversations. I mean, according to a 2018 survey from The Economist and the Kaiser a family foundation, more than two in 10 adults in the US, which is equating to about 22% and about 23% in the UK. So they always or often feel lonely, lack companionship or feel left out or isolated. And this is far beyond the period that we're in now. That's in 2018. And I can't stop thinking about what we do when we have already maybe one in five people feeling lonely. And then we come into something like this, a period like this. I think as well, we've got more people, particularly in Australia, but most of the developed world, even living a alone. The number of lone households in Australia has exceeded more than 2 million people for the first time in history. In the US, the number of people living by themselves has doubled over the last half century. In 2019, 28% of households in the US were single person households. And I've got friends, I, I spoke to a friend during the week who is living by herself in a remote community. And she was saying to me the importance of having a good internet connection and having good data and having access to those things because otherwise why she would be completely on her own. And my heart goes out. If you're one of those people living by yourself right now, it must be really difficult and a little scary. And we are definitely thinking of you because at least I've got my partner here. Like I'm at home right now with my partner and that's awesome. But for all those people who don't have that, they need to find other ways to connect and feel close to people when they can't be. It's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because I imagine for so many people, the milestone of being able to rent or buy a place by themselves is incredible. Mm. Like it's an incredible financial decision to be able to make for yourself and a signal that maybe things are going well and that you've succeeded in certain areas of your career. And then for that to turn into a scenario where you are literally stuck in that place by yourself without, you know, the physical human interaction that you're used to must be incredibly tough. Mm. I thought this quote from Andrew Cuomo, who is the governor of New York, who I think everyone would be 
be seeing around at the moment. I Bit feel of like, political spin on this episode. Right. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting that it's like there's always some heroes that pop up in times yeah. like this, right? And he said people are struggling with the emotions as much as they are struggling with the economics. And I think that's incredibly true. I think this idea that people are struggling with the weight of what the next few months can look like, the, the indefinite period and this indefinite sense that we might be lonely for a very long time. Yeah, it's interesting. A listener reached out to us during the week and sent us the photo of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Do you Are you familiar with this? I'm not. Right. So if you did year 12 psychology, I'm sure you'll be familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's basically a triangle and it has five different layers and each layer is uh, in order of how important it is for human function. So the very first base layer of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is our most basic needs for survival. So think food, water, shelter. The second level is safety needs. So having security of your own body, security of employment, security of health and family. The third is this human need for intimacy and connection. And I was kind of thinking about it after this listener sent it to me. Level two and three are being threatened right now. Lots of people do not feel secure in their employment and they do not feel like they have enough human intimacy. So if you are struggling, you are so within your rights to do that. Another interesting layer to this is a scientific level, Zara, in that when we hug people and when we touch other people, we have a release of oxytocin. Oxytocin is such an important hormone because it makes us happy and it makes us feel like we're alive so we have oxytocin when we have mother infant bonding or we have an orgasm or we hug someone and if we're taking those things away it's not surprising that we're feeling low and we're feeling dejected and I just wanted to come back very quickly to when we were talking about people living alone and that piece that you quoted from the New Yorker before I think we should pop in our show notes because it's a really really brilliant read about how people are processing emotion and being lonely in this time and the author Robin Wright said I live alone and have no family and usually don't think much about it but as the new pathogen forces us to socially distance I've begun to feel lonely I miss the ability to see converse with hug or spend time with my friends life seems shallower more like survival than living and that last sentence really did stand out to me this idea that people are sort of getting up in order to get through the day and then they're getting up the next day in order to get through that one too yeah and it is sort of a abiding of time at the moment yeah we're all bunkering down hoping that this will pass it's almost like we've all gone into our little shells like we're hermit crabs I hate hermit crabs but we're all we're all hermit crabs right now in our little shells waiting for the storm to pass and dear fucking god I hope it passes for everyone's sake really soon well, that's exactly right. And I think we've spent a lot of time sort of defining loneliness and talking about how it can pervade our society at a time like this. But Julianne Holt Lonstad, who is a psychologist who was interviewed for this New Yorker piece and was talking about the effects of prolonged loneliness, said, keep in mind, this is looking at chronic effects over time. What we're experiencing now is a disruption in our usual pattern. We all hope this is temporary and not something that will become a more chronic state. And I think that's the thing we need to remember, this idea that it doesn't have to be a chronic state. It won't be a chronic state. Like we said, we are biding our time until things feel better again. Absolutely. And for all the shadow and darkness, there are absolutely glimmers of light in all of this. And that's what we want to spend the second half of today's episode exploring. What can we do to feel connected in this time of profound physical disconnection? So in the second half of this episode, we want to look at how to be alone together. But first, Zara, let's go to a bumble break. Mm 
Mish, the team at Bumble recognise that these are very, very weird times and they want to help you guys stay connected too. That's right, Zara. Bumble Australia are encouraging all users to take dates digital using the voice calls and video chat features within Bumble, which help you connect with a match without having to meet in person or share your personal information before you're ready. Once you've matched with someone, a video icon and phone icon will appear in the top right-hand corner of your conversation screen. Women get the option to call as soon as they match with someone and this can count as their first move, Michelle. (laughs) Men get the option to call only after a first move has been made. On top of the importance of connection, Bumble recognises the need to support local businesses right now too. That's why they've launched the Bumble Community Grant Program to support local businesses around the globe during the COVID-19 pandemic. Bumble will offer approximately 150 small businesses globally monetary support up to $5,000 AUD. Bumble will begin offering grants in the US, UK, Russia, Germany, Australia, India, France, Canada, Mexico, Ireland and New Zealand. Go Bumble. The Bumble Community Grants are one part of their social impact response to COVID-19. They will be making additional donations to support the global community during this time, including a $100,000, that's American dollars, donation to WHO COVID-19 Solitary Fund and a $100,000 donation to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. For more information on Bumble's community brands in response to COVID-19, click the link in our stories. Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission. All right, Zara, positive time. Talk to me about how you are staying connected with your friends right now. Well, I think the one thing that I can't stop thinking about is the silver lining in all of this is that when your one focus is survival, and I think that's the one thing we keep coming back to, this idea that when you wake up in the morning, most people just want to get through the day, is that my main focus has invariably become fostering the relationships I do have and looking after them deeply. And that will just be texting as many people as I can or picking up the phone as many times as I can in a day and making sure that you kind of very quickly go beyond surface conversations now. Like I'm not having any surface conversations with anyone that I know. I'm picking up the phone straight away and saying, how are you actually doing right now? Yeah, I don't think I've ever asked people, how are you more than I have in the last week or so. And same for my friends. We have a group chat, me and my girlfriends, Emily, Aisha and Maddie. I know they'll be listening to this. Hello, I hope you're doing okay right now. Um, And it's been lovely, as terrible as this time has been, every time one of us is scared that we might lose our job or that our partners might lose theirs or that our family members might not be doing okay, it's been lovely to have that space together that, yes, we're not together in our rooms, but in the darkest times when we're in our bedrooms and we can't sleep, at least we are there in that group chat supporting each other and just saying, I love you, I'm here for you, we're going to get through it together. And I honestly don't think I'd be able to get through this without my friends and without the people that I love because they have been keeping me feeling like I'm sane. I was kind of laughing the other night because I've there's this one WhatsApp group that I've been a part of for maybe four or five years now and it's with maybe 20 of my friends that I kind of grew <laughs> up with. But the WhatsApp group died as in WhatsApp groups invariably <laughs> do because there's breakups in the group, things kind of fracture, you don't hang out in the same way. And it kind of went off the other night over the dumbest thing like one of my housemates posted in there saying – Talk chip, hot cross buns, yes or no? And yes, so, big yes. I know, right? I said yes too, but suddenly <laughs> it was kind of like a light with a conversation and I was like only like a pandemic, only a time when everyone feels very lonely could a WhatsApp group that's been dead for so long be revived. But totally. it is things like that. Like I, I was laughing about it, but it was also pretty indicative of our, the time that we're in now and how we're all so glued to our phones and desperate for different kinds of connections. Yeah, see, I found it interesting before when you said,
said I'm going really deep with all my friends. I do agree with that. Like surface level conversation, like what did you do today has kind of gone out the window. It's more like how (laughs) are you doing? Because no one did anything today. (laughs) But it's not all super serious. Like half the conversations I'm having with my friends are totally unrelated to COVID-19. Like we are having very frivolous, very funny conversations about things that are totally sanitized from the stuff that's going on in the world right now. And I also think that's really important. As much as I love that people are sharing information with each other and talking about the serious stuff and checking in with each other's mental health, I think it's equally important for our mental health that we give ourselves some respite and a break from thinking about all the doom and gloom in the world. No, that's a good point and I probably should have clarified. I mean, maybe I haven't checked in on the welfare so directly and so quickly of my friends yeah. than I do now. But yeah. it's not to say that we don't have dumb debates about hot cross buns, hot cross buns you know. <laughs> like that's the distraction. That's the stuff you want to laugh about. The other thing that I've noticed is when I'm picking up the phone, whether it be to call my mum, my dad, my grandparents, my, my siblings, even my friends, it's kind of the first time ever that people have just universally not asked why I'm calling. Like yeah. it's so obvious now why we're all doing it and that was a pretty nice thing too I did read a heap of really really helpful advice about this from a guy called Dr Vivek Murthy who is the former Surgeon General of the United States so super clever guy he's a big deal he wrote um, a book a couple of years ago that is suddenly becoming incredibly relevant called Together the Healing Power of Human Connection in a Sometimes Lonely World And he said picking up the phone and having a conversation with people is one of the simplest things you can do. But he also said it doesn't have to be a long conversation. He said it's not about finding more time. It's about making the time we have available better quality. Eliminate distractions when talking, no multitasking. And my best friend lives over in London and can't really work at the moment, can't leave her house, doesn't have family nearby to drop supplies off or anything like that. So, I mean, she wouldn't say it explicitly, but I imagine is feeling far lonelier than perhaps Mm. I feel back here. And just picking up the phone to call her every single day which is what we're trying to do at the moment they're not long phone calls they'd be between eight and ten minutes but that Mm -hmm. idea of having those really short sharp phone calls where you do eliminate distractions where you do sort of focus in on that conversation can be just as good as sitting on the phone for half an hour multitasking yeah I don't mean to derail this conversation but I do really want to talk about this with you before we look at more quotes from experts Do you think the way we are living now and this realisation of how important connection is will change the way we communicate and we catch up face to face down the track? Like when all of this passes, do you think you're going to put your phone down more? Because I genuinely think I will. If I'm face to face with someone again and I can hug them and have brunch with them and enjoy their company with close body contact, I don't think I'll be looking at my phone anywhere near as much as I have been because because for the first time in my life, I am truly appreciating what a privilege it is to catch up with someone. And I really do hope that it is a perspective shift that lasts for a long time, not just for the first week that we go back to normalcy. Um, no, I don't think so. I like don't agree with you. I wish I could say the same, but I don't think that we – I think our memories are too short. Like I do agree – something like this though? No, I think that some things will change, but I don't think that will change. Mm. I think we'll, we're even more plugged in than we ever will be. Like mm. we're so it, – it'll, it'll be a habit that just extends beyond that. I think we'll certainly hopefully be more appreciative of the connections and the times that we have with people. I think some things will change. I think it will take a long time for us to work out – what will change and how Mm. our behavior will change. But I don't think things like that 
will change. I wonder if it does mean that our circles might get smaller. I don't know if that's too much of a long bow to draw too early, but I do think in a time like this, you sort of pull the people close that you want to that really nourish you and that really Mm. fulfill you. And beyond that, what's the point of the rest of it? Do you know what I mean? What's the point of the noise and the chaos? Because I think we have a tendency to socialize in a very chaotic way. Well, true, especially when you're out and about, like say you are going to a bar with friends, you might have 20 friends coming along, but truly the one that you want to speak to and you want to catch up with and you want to be close to it's probably only five people so I agree with you in that aspect I do hope I put my phone down more though I do hope you're wrong about that well I also hope that I'm wrong (laughs) so let's check back in and maybe at the end of the year another really interesting piece of advice came from an informatics professor called Melissa Masmanian who was interviewed in the Atlantic and so she had some advice that was a little bit different to Murphy's but I thought was very interesting all the same she said carving out big chunks of time for your loved ones is important but so is integrating them into your day in smaller ways. One slightly unusual means of doing that. Initiating a video chat with a friend or loved one and then leaving it running in the background for an hour or two as you go about your days. It sounds a little intrusive, but as I wrote last year, many long distance romantic couples do it, finding it allows them to spend time together, chatting intermittently as they might've lived in the same space. Oh, why does that make me feel so emotional? It's a really beautiful image for people to just sort of have their cameras going. And I thought if you are feeling lonely, and you do live alone and you know somebody else who's doing the same or know people who might want to do the same thing that's a really beautiful idea even just cooking dinner together yeah that's actually what I did last night um my parents are separated so we try once a week to have dinner with my dad and dinner with my mum as kind of like a family unit and last night my dad was uh on the phone with all of us we were doing a video chat and I was cooking dinner the one problem with doing video chats while you cook dinner is cooking dinner is fucking noisy and I did not realize that till last so night true. like washing the dishes when the tap's running <laughs> I was making a risotto and everyone was like what the fuck is all that banging I was like trying to mix it around and I was like damn it this is so hard so I have to mute my microphone every time I'm cooking but I do agree with that I think living your life and going about your day is such a beautiful way to stay in contact one piece of advice I do love is from Kelly Kitley, who is a psychotherapist and author, their advice is to bring routine into the fold as much as you possibly can. In that I would never reach out to my full group of friends and be like, let's go to dinner tonight because people have conflicting schedules and no one's going to do it. Make a deal out of it. Make a big deal out of it where you can go, we are going to hang out. This is a commitment we're all going to make. We're all going to jump on this video chat. We're all going to eat dinner together, for example. And it's going to be at 7.30 on Thursday. And she says that if you plan that out in advance, and you schedule it almost like a date together then you'll feel much more connected it almost like also plots out your week in that you have things on even though you don't and even though you're just on your couch it will make you feel like you're doing things and you're seeing people and you're being productive and giving you something to look forward to I think the idea of having something to look forward to is crucial right now I tell you another thing that I found really interesting and I think this was another piece of advice from Melissa Masmanian which was play with the lighting in your home and I only think thought that this was really interesting because we had to do that in my apartment the other day because we were forced because our light blew and so in our living room the major light blew so my other housemate just put heaps of lamps around at night and I was like the apartment seems like a different place right now (laughs) like it seems like a different place it doesn't feel like the space that we've been working in for the last week do you know what I mean and all congregating in the same space and I thought that was really interesting she said play with the lighting in your home to feel like you're not always there but also when you're socializing with people on a zoom call don't feel stupid if you put a lamp close to make the lighting feel more intimate so that the setting is more intimate yeah that's beautiful another really great piece of advice is from Michelle Weiner Davis she's a relationship expert from America and she said offer to help 
others. Reaching out and adopting the Buddhist perspective of focusing on the here and now can inoculate you from anxiety. I agree with that. I think if you feel like you're helping someone else, whether that's a stranger, whether that's someone close to you, it makes you feel less alone. Helping others is almost like the remedy to what we're going through right now. It can be in a monetary way or it can just be in a company way. You could extend so many different forms of olive branches to people, but helping others in this time or feeling like I'm uh, reaching out to people has made me feel better. I know that's not why you're supposed to help others to make yourself feel better, but but it's a good side effect. I mean, then we could get deep into that very philosophical line of thought of there is no such thing as an altruistic move, that you are inevitably doing it for yourself anyway. But that does bring me to another quote from Alice Chan and Vivek Murphy from The Atlantic. And they said exactly the same thing. They said, reach out and help others. When we serve others, we not only build a connection to them, but we also remind ourselves that we have value to add to the world too. Mm. And I think that comes back to that idea of purpose that a lot of people might feel like they're lacking right now. Like, what am I doing? Particularly people on forced leave or who have lost their jobs, which just seem to be so many people around us right now. Purpose is the one thing that a lot of people are struggling with. And the second to that, and almost in the inverse of that, is they said, and remember that giving others the opportunity to serve by asking for their help can be a form of service too. Yeah, beautiful. I do want to talk to you just for a second about the listeners who will be tuning into this who might be single. I want to talk to you about I want to talk to you about the two different elements of being single in this time. The first element is, do you think lots of people are going to be getting back together with their exes right now? Yes, absolutely. I think that a lot of people will be getting back with their exes right now. That sense of familiarity, that sense of, um, it almost feels like you're not extending your social circle. You're not meeting enough new people, perhaps in person. You can, of course, on Bumble, but you're not going out and seeing other guys or other women that yeah. you're attracted to. And therefore the pool seems tiny. It seems like the pool has one person. It feels like you're being making the smart decision when it comes to love and dating. Like yeah. I can imagine that you people would sort of do the mental hurdle that way. It's funny as well because I follow a few influencers who went through breakups and then ever since this happened, they're suddenly back together with their exes. I'm like, that is so not surprising whatsoever. I would love people to come to our Facebook group, Shameless Podcast Community, where we will have an episode thread for this episode and talk to us about what you've done if you've been newly seeing somebody. Mm. I'm very intrigued as to whether that's really sped up the process for some people or people have had to put it on pause completely. The other element of being single that I want to talk to you about is that I think this could be great for dating. I am all for sleeping with someone on the first date. I think there is absolutely no problem with that. It can be very successful for a lot of people. Some of my best friends are with their partners after having a one night stand. However, if you have to talk to each other online and if you have to do video calls through Bumble and messaging through Bumble, perhaps you will build a really stable foundation where you actually get to know each other and you become friends first. And I know that's quite an old school approach to romance, but maybe it's going to work for a lot of people to have that connection before it gets physical. Well, I think a lot of people are feeling vulnerable right now. And I think if you are willing to offer up that sense of vulnerability pretty early on and because you want to make that connection, then yeah, I think it could do wonderful things things for future relationships and for future dating. We will have to watch this space though, won't we? We will. If you are having casual sex, please stop just for now. <laughs> yes. We lo- we are a sex positive podcast here at uh, Love Etc. But please just stop, stay home, talk to people on video chat. There is always phone sex if you're struggling. <laughs> Sarah's gone very red. <laughs> it's like I just wasn't expecting to go there. Anyway, in, loneliness, in the era of loneliness and connection, Michelle's found your solution. <laughs> Love Etc. is a production from Shameless Media. Sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other and we'll be back in your ears next Friday. See you on Friday.